You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have a duo of terrific guests here with me today, Richard James and his son, MPS. Michael Patrick Strach, not to be confused with MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. He's preoccupied with other things. MPS is preoccupied with helping lawyers solve some real, real world problems like generating more revenue with intake and closing, training and advising, operations issues with staffing, and ultimately, and to me, this is an ultimate one, as a business owner, and I know that most lawyers don't feel like they're business owners. They feel like they're lawyers who also happen to own business. You have a mastermind group where you help them update that thinking, upgrade it, and do better in life. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Oh, it's our pleasure. I was super excited to be here. Honored that you uh, had us on. Excited to provide some value today. Yeah, Sasha, really appreciate you inviting us. Um, you know, I'm now 53 years old, so I'm not on the other side of my career by any means, but certainly I've put in a number of years. The fact that I get to sit shoulder to shoulder with my son and do this with folks like you just brings me a lot of joy. So thanks for inviting us. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. And truth be told, I wish one day to sit shoulder to shoulder with my son, but he is determined to go into Air Force and I'm determined to continue operating businesses. So I think he's going to fly away, pun intended. He's going to go into a completely different direction. Also I have a 13-year-old who might go into business, who might go into business. He has that inkling, but 13, still a little too early. Of course. Yeah. Let's talk about the problems that you help solve small law firm owners. I find it as a marketing guy, as a leader of my marketing team, with just about every law firm there are issues with intake and closing i know that you have produced volumes of incredibly valuable content where you break things down i want to focus the first portion of this episode on talking about intake and what intake actually is and some of the common mistakes that you see vast majority of lawyers and law firm owners commit in the intake process that ultimately I believe for any small law firm owner, it costs them, and this is not an exaggeration, but over the course of the ownership of your law firm, this is tens of millions of dollars. Oh my God. It's not a small problem. Easy. It's a major problem. Yeah. Break it down for us, please. Yeah. I mean, so uh, intake, well, let's define intake quick. So intake for us is the moment that phone rings, right? With, with, with a new lead is the moment intake starts. So for us, intake has two key roles, which is a getting an appointment set and B getting that appointment to show up. And then it falls into sales and whoever is doing the consultations to take on step three of that or step C. Um, but as far as, you know, things that we see go wrong, I mean, there's a magnitude. Yeah, I want, I'm going to plus one, if you don't mind, um, on that. So I agree with MPS completely. He's, he nailed it. Um, a little bit of caveat. One, the phone ringing is now a metaphor for the many different ways leads come in, obviously, sure. because there's digital leads that come in today, too. Although we still see probably 
80% of our clients' leads come in via phone now, 20, and, and that's starting to skew in the other direction. More and more leads are coming in digitally. Uh, secondarily, I would say that while he's right about the definition, I would tell you that intake starts first in the mind of the owner. Uh, and the people that run the firm, because if they don't have a clear understanding of what the goal and the job of intake is, then it's really difficult to build off of that foundation. We, we just had a call today, actually, with yeah. somebody that uh, bright, young individual, they're not the owner of the firm, they see the challenges, but they're somewhat stymied by the owner and the staff that are in the firm that there's no buy-in, they, they don't believe in the intake process, they kind of run with it however it rolls downhill, and the owner tries their best to get the people to, uh, they, try to they try to make great people rather than trying to great, build a great system, mm -hmm. and, and it relies heavily on the individual, and they try to hire right, and they think that's their problem, and the problem is the mindset is wrong. Like, they, they didn't get the idea that, to, to your point, Sasha, that there are literally millions of dollars laying around. As I used to say years ago, uh, Earl Nightingale told a story about acres of diamonds. Rus Russell Conwell told this story to raise Temple University, right? And so um, there are acres of diamonds laying at their feet that they don't realize primarily because they don't have the correct mindset. Before, I mean, that's the first problem. Would you agree? I mean, yeah, the, the owner and management has to have the right mindset about the goal of the intake process. And then from there, you know, that's where we start to get into more of our tactical problems. Right, right, right. right. Tactically, do we have battle axe Bertha answer in the <laughs> phone, right? She just smoked three packs of Marlboros yesterday and she answers the phone, law firm, <laughs> law firm, right? And we wonder why nobody's getting through. Like, we wonder why we're not converting the leads. Like, they don't even say the name anymore. Right. So that's step one. It's like, do, what is the mindset? And then who, who do we have? Well, the, the, the who. So yeah. I, I think a, a big misconception here is that we have this idea of using a generalist rather than a specialist. Right. 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 So just having either, a, you know, simultaneous ring through the office and whoever picks up in the moment, they pick up and try their best if they could even get to the phone. Right. Or you've got a receptionist who's just a general receptionist who's either going to transfer to the right party or just have some version of trying to get an appointment set with no real structure in place. And so I think the first common misconception and mistake I see in the intake process is trying to hire a generalist rather than a specialist. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, you, Sasha, you were just telling us uh, a story. We were, we were discussing back and forth law firm horror stories, right? And so we were just talking about a story where there was a particular firm that had almost a 70% abandonment rate on initial calls, right? Well, well that, right. That, that comes from both likely having a mindset issue um, as well as likely having a who issue and then finally having a system issue, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we believe that systems run your law firm and people run your systems and what we're talking about is the intake system here. So, I mean, look, we can keep talking, but did we create more questions <laughs> for you to jump in on or where do you want to go from here? Keep talking. Keep talking. Okay. Keep talking. Okay. <laughs> so keep where do talking. you want to go? Yeah, well, so I think and, and here, here, here's, here's why, because I think that so vast majority of our audience are people who own small law firms. Right. From my experience, and I talk with at least a couple of hundred lawyers one-on-one -on -one every year. In my experience, 
overwhelming majority, like 90 plus percent, when they watch this, when they hear this, they see themselves in it. Yeah. Oh, I think that's the whole point of this, right? right. I mean, I, that's why we love what you're doing. Uh, it's why we do it as well, because what we're trying to do is speak to that individual who's sitting in their chair going, were they like in my office yesterday? <laughs> like, do they have a bug on the wall? How do they know what's going on? And it's it's not that we know anybody. It's just that, you know, we make our clients come from this perspective that my law firm isn't different than your law firm, right? So this general idea that fundamentally at their core, all law firms operate in a very simple format. I mean, sure, there was somebody who, when Michael said, do you get your phone call and drive it to an appointment? And somebody went, oh, we don't do appointments. Right. We, you know, we try to hire them on the first phone call or, or we hot transfer them right into the lawyer or the salesperson. Like, so they, so like they go, oh, my firm is different. Hmm. No, (laughs) No. it's not. You might have a different practice area than other firms, but at the foundational level, it's not different. But Sasha had mentioned a kind of keep rolling on that on that thought and you brought up the the next biggest mistake probably the biggest which is system there's no intake system mm-hmm. so every time we answer the phone it's a dynamic conversation so there's no dependability in what we're saying i think the modern day word for system i've been saying system since a while mm-hmm. i think the modern day word for the system i think is a better word maybe is sure. framework Framework that works because sometimes people hear system and they think software or they think phone system or they think CRM or whatever. What we're really talking about here is a framework, a framework, a structure. Yeah. Right. And and so that, that's a, that's a real big problem. I I love the term business process or BP. It's a business process. The way that you execute that incoming phone call is a business process. And you either have a structured process or you have a sporadic process. And it's absolutely your choice. One way, it's going to help you make a lot more money. The other way, it's going to rob you of a lot of money. You choose. (laughs) I love that idea. (laughs) Well said. Here's here's how I think about it. I mentioned that before, before we started recording, I mentioned that I ran a consulting company. This is a decade plus ago. Part of one of the clients that I had there, what we had to do was the client business owner was absolutely certain that there was revenue leakage in his business. This is not a law firm, substantial service business. He is like, help me identify where I am missing out on revenue. He is like, I've been running this for 30 years now. It's a family business. He has been there for 30 years. He is like, I am so within this frame. I don't see the picture. Help me identify where I'm leaking revenue. The easiest spot there. We, we started at the beginning. The beginning was the receptionist, the front desk. Mm. At the time, this is circa 2011, 2012. Mm. At the time, he was paying his receptionist $50,000. Mm-hmm. We placed a few secret shopping phone calls to that receptionist. And we estimated the receptionist cost him slightly over a million dollars a year. Oh, my God. I, 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 no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. It, it, was, it was very, very easy. They were offering professional services. The receptionist was a live brochure. Mm. She could answer questions, but she couldn't or she wouldn't ask any. Mm. Because of that, people would call, get the information that they wanted, 
said thank you very much and hung up the phone unless they were ready to buy that second. Right. Everybody else just left. Mm -hmm. And yep. so when we pointed that out, he nearly puked because that receptionist has also been there. I forget how many years, but many years. So you multiply the number of years by approximately a million dollars. So let's say seven years, she cost him seven million bucks plus the salary that he paid her. So that blew his mind. And then we showed him how to fix it. And sure enough, six months later, when I checked in with him, he was like, problem fixed. Now she mm -hmm. only cost me $50,000 a year, not a million and fifty. Right. Mm. That's the interesting truth. It's not the cost of the employee. It's the cost of the loss of opportunity. And, and you know, you talked about mystery shopping. We've been teaching this for a very long time. Yep. But um, I, one of my good friends and clients of ours for a very long time, his name is Jeff Kelly. And he would tell you, matter of fact, when we interviewed him, he talked about this, right? Yes. He said, he said, I heard you guys tell me that I should listen to my phone calls and I should do mystery shopping and this was long before we offered mystery shopping as a service. Anyway, so this is when he first met us. And he goes, ah, my staff, they've got it going. I've, I've had my team for years. They're perfect. They're wonderful. They got it dialed in. He said, so I begrudgingly one Sunday decided to listen to a couple of calls. And he said, I almost, as you said, almost puked. That's what made me think about it. He goes, I almost <laughs> got sick right there in my lazy boy as I'm listening to the calls. He says, I had no idea how bad they were. And, you know, we listen to mystery calls every week. Our team does for us and scores the calls. And even people who, and this is a great point. Yeah. Even once they get the mentality right. Right. Even once they hire the right people, even once they get the system or structure business process in place, then, then what we, we find is they still need to inspect them all the way through because those people still make mistakes. People make mistakes. People are people, right? And, and people are going to make mistakes. So the accountability has to be there on a week in week out basis to make sure what you want to be happening is actually happening. Right. And so the inspection tool, at least from an intake perspective, mystery shopping is so powerful in that regard. And you've always got a clear update as far as how your a team or appointment setter is performing on a week to week basis. It's a really interesting point. So I, aside from creating content here, I lead our sales team. Mm -hmm. We're currently in the process of implementing ABP, a business process of actually doing checks every day, mm -hmm. not once a week, but every day. We're implementing yeah. a system that's very similar to Gong. Probably no one who's listening to this knows what Gong is, but there is a similar system to Gong. And Gong is basically a virtual sales coach that sits in virtually on your calls and then grades quality of those calls. It can, implement, it can be implemented in any organization where there is an intake process that takes place or a sales process that takes place. And it allows the sales team leader to evaluate quality of the intake call and the sales call. So for our business or for your business or for many consulting business, it would be discovery call and then a solution call or presentation call. So that thing sits in and grades each and every call. And one of our advisors told us that looking at that performance once a week or God forbid, once a month is not often enough. If you do it every single day and all you have to do it three weeks in a row, some of your team members will leave because For sure. they will never perform the way you want them to. 
some of them will improve so much that for that one salary, whatever it is that you're paying them, they will replace whoever it is that they left and will outperform sure. them so, and their previous selves within three weeks simply by coaching them and knowing what it is that they're not doing right. And that system is automated. You need to set it up or they'll set it up for you. But once it's set up, it does that coaching almost fully automatically and geez, what a difference it makes. But once a day, yeah. not once a week, not once a month, once a day. We agree. Um, you know, so I, I would plus one on what you said, and I'm sure this is how this program works. Um, you need this foundational framework to work from. So whether it's the intake or uh, the sales call, the initial consultation, what's what we have found to be valuable is to create a black box, a framework that is always used and always used the exact same way every single time. And people struggle with that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I would tell you more so attorneys struggle with that. Yeah. <laughs> and attorneys struggle with that because uh, specifically speaking of consultations here, uh, they, they like the creativity of a consultation, the ability to think outside the box and craft creative solutions to each prospect's problems that they're experiencing and dive into the legal advice. And although, uh, you know, that could be fun, it doesn't get the right results that we want to get. Uh, the, the having a black box system um, is boring, number one, but boring is good in this sense. And I think that's the biggest struggle point. Well, yeah. And then to piggyback on that. So we, that's the reason why a lot of firms don't do it. They, one, they either don't, don't know, or when they find out, they don't like it because it doesn't, it doesn't allow for their creativity. Um, but, but what you said, Tosh, is to be able to have this measured, right? So how do you measure something? And so what the point I was driving to was that you need to ultimately have a scorecard. Mm. So you have, mm -hmm. what, what we believe in is that, using our proprietary formula for setting an appointment, you should have a scorecard to score that uh, appointment. When you're, when you're using an initial consultation and you take the, you record the initial consultation and today it's easier than ever because a lot of people use Zoom and phone, you, you should be able to have a scorecard uh, that scores that initial consultation. Cause, because otherwise you're scoring the like what what are you scoring when you when you've got a salesperson judging or you know coach judging how well you're doing they're judging your salesmanship they're judging your ability to overcome objections they're judging your attitude your mirroring some of the things that like that has been taught through the years to help salespeople and appointment setters to get every single set and get every single close and we don't believe that that's the right way to go about it no uh quite the contrary uh, depending on your practice area but w we believe you pass everyone through the same black box structure and then instead of going for a hundred percent we're trying to consistently capture somewhere between 60 and 80 percent of our consultations turning into paying clients depending on practice area. depending on practice area yeah I, I would think that overwhelming majority of law firm owners and lawyers cringe cringe on the thought that they need to follow a certain process which limits their creativity. But let me drive home this point why it is absolutely imperative for your financial well-being for you to thrive to follow the process. Lawyers are known to be one of the most stressed out professions out there. I think the third 
cause of death in the United States is cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. I would assume that for lawyers, because you guys are so stressed out, and if you add to the profession the fact that you own your business, you're more stressed out than a typical lawyer who works for somebody else, you are at a higher risk of developing cardiovascular probability, disease. Now, if you do, and you go to see a cardiologist, do you hope that that cardiologist is really creative <laughs> or follows best practices of fixing that heart of yours? If you tell them to practice medicine the same way as you practice law, you're dead. <laughs> they Very will kill well you. Point. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> I, I love that. So, if you think about your family and your financial well-being, how dare you to not follow the best practices? You're stealing money from yourself. And this is not in a gross exaggeration. It is right on money, pun intended, because there is a right way of doing way, things. And there are usually more than one way. But there is a handful of ways doing things right. And that's why... Both Richard James and MPS said, like, you're trying to capture 60 to 80%. You do not need a script. You do not follow a script. But you got to know your talking points and the questions that you ask. But you're doing it within that framework. And not, hey, I'm going to wing it because I've been doing this for 25 years. What's that saying? You know, like, we learn how to drive the first year, and then we repeat the same mistakes as we learned in the first year for three, four, five decades after that. It's the same thing here. you got to follow process that has the best practices built into it or else you cost yourself millions of dollars i remember years ago years ago this is the going back when i first got in this industry i met with a uh, an attorney out in california uh, fresno california to be exact and um and they came out i I can't i did an on-site visit and they mistakenly scheduled a consult for him that day. And so he, he's paying me a reasonable amount of money at this mm-hmm. point. Okay. So I'm at his office. He's paying my daily fee. And now he can't meet with me because he's in an initial consultation. He was in that initial consultation. How long do you think? I'm going to guess an, an hour. An hour and 45 minutes. <sighs> An hour and 45 minutes he was in the initial consultation. And guess what they didn't do? They didn't buy. They didn't retain the firm. <laughs> Spent an hour and yeah. 45 minutes with somebody to sell them a $3,000 legal services, and they didn't retain the firm. And he came out, and he was so proud of what he had just done <laughs> because he was so creative and created them so many solutions. And I looked at him, and I said, so you just paid me X number of dollars an hour. And you just did that, and you didn't make a nickel at your going rate. That was a pretty expensive hour and 45 minutes. And we, that, that was how we literally kicked off our conversation. And so, I mean, th- this has been going on since I've been in this industry. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just, it just takes a carburetor adjustment in their thinking. Mm-hmm. Here's the great news. The light at the end of the tunnel, and you see this too. Sure. When they get it, mm. attorneys are naturally intelligent beasts, right? They just, by nature, because of who they are and what they had to go through, they've got a high level of intelligence. They're typically very hardworking. Uh, they're not afraid of hard work or long hours. And once they see something works and the proof is there and they've got the evidence right. and they've, and boy, oh boy, it's fun to watch. Oh, 
extremely fun to watch. That's when the rubber meets the road and everything clicks for them. And now they can go all in on it, right? We have one client that had 20. They, they were in the, um, in the bankruptcy world. They had 20 clients. Well, yeah, yeah, it was bankruptcy. They had 20 clients a month a year ago. The light bulb went on for them. And exactly one year later, they had 108 clients in the same month. Because the light bulb went off. Now, this isn't a brag on us because we didn't do the work. We, I mean, we have lots of people heard that same message and they didn't do anything with it, right? This one firm took it and ran with it. It has nothing to do. I mean, I hope we deliver some intelligent thought processes and I hope we share some frameworks that make sense. But at the end of the day, it's their responsibility to take this and run with it. And when they do, it's a lot of fun. Sure is. Absolutely. So all of the things that you talked about, about attorneys, 100%. I also think that attorneys, probably more than other people, have this ingrained desire to win. Mm. You go to law school and you're trained to win. And then you start your career and you want to win. And you start mm. your law firm and you want to win. But what I find also to be true, and I think you very well illustrated with this example, is that often enough, there is no clarity as to what winning looks like. And that's why for someone working for free for an hour and 45 minutes, coming up with solutions may feel like a win, but it's because they have no clarity of what a win looks like. A win for a law firm owner, not a dispenser of free legal advice, but a law firm owner a win is probably a financial outcome in a law firm that they love coming to the office to and work with the people that they have there. But first and foremost, it's the financial outcome because if it's not about the financial outcome, why start your own thing? Go work somewhere else. It's way less responsibility. And chances are, if you're working for someone else, you're probably going to make as much money, carrying way less responsibility, having less stress and probably seeing that cardiologist way later in life than you would otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I think there's uh, another point that that also has to do with medicine. Sorry to interrupt. And no, that no. is you teach them how to do things right, but it's up to them, up to all of us when it comes to hiring high level advisors and trainers to implement or not to implement. And the medical analogy here is in my mind was blown when I read this for the first time. 70% of diabetes patients, this is a badly disease if you don't treat it right, do not follow the instructions that are given to them by their doctors. Mm. Like they'd rather lose a leg than eat the salad. Mm. The instructions are simple, but you have to work within the framework as you refer to it to keep that leg. No, 70%? I ain't having that. No Caesar salad for me. So, <laughs> you, and by the way, in, in consulting business, it's very simple. My, my ex-wife did very high-end consulting. I met with all those MBAs from University of Chicago. This is where Barack Obama went. This is like high-level, Fortune 100 consultants go into. I was like, guys, what is the implementation rate of whatever it is that you tell your clients to do? And they're like, 2%. Oh, yeah. 98%? Uh, no, you see. So, 
I want to unpack two concepts for you. One, I'm going to address what you just said. And the other is I don't want to forget um, a good friend of ours, Steve DeLaviaga, always mm -hmm. likes to say, look, your scoreboard, you, you are what the scoreboard says you are in business, right? And so yeah. I want to let Michael talk to the, about the scoreboard in a second because uh, he's probably the more competitive of the two of us. Uh, <laughs> but I want to address your point. Um, so I, for, for years, I got really frustrated because I, I did one-on-one -on -one consulting with attorneys. And uh, they would come to me, they'd pay me a bunch of money, they'd get on the phone with me, they asked me to solve a problem, I would give them the problem, I would outline the problem, I'd send them a recording of the call of the problem, I'd give them action items for the do the problem, I'd give them things that we we're going to talk about in the next meeting. We get to the next meeting and I want to talk about the things we solved the previous meeting and they would say to me, you know what, I never got around to that because now I have this new problem. And then I would solve that new problem, do the same thing and 12 months would go by and I built them really expensive to do lists. And I said, and look, some people got crazy good results, don't get me wrong. But, but at the end of the day, the, the, the saturation rate was so low, to your point, that 2% ratio, that I was like, what am I doing wrong? And I read a book that addressed this called Change or Die by Alan Deutschman. Mm -hmm. And Alan Deutschman posed the question. He didn't talk about diabetes patients, but he talked about open heart surgery patients. 95% of open heart surgery patients are going to have open heart surgery again in the future because... They don't follow the protocol they're supposed to follow, the framework they're given after they have the initial open heart surgery. And the question is, why? Well, he actually found one study group of open heart patient surgeons, uh, patient, open heart surgery patients, excuse me, who only had a 5% rate of having open heart surgery again in the future. And they identified three fundamental things that were the reason for this. The first is that there was a leader they were all following who was going through the same thing they were going through and like kind of like running the race with them. So they were they were led by somebody. Two, uh, they had peers that were running alongside of them that were doing the exact thing that they were doing and they were holding each other accountable. And then three. There was something for them to do every day, every week, every month, every quarter to build towards micro commitments towards the end goal, not feeling like this massive thing had to happen. And so when you put those three things together, it creates an extremely powerful scenario. And that's really, and this isn't a, this isn't a pitch for me or us or for Partners Club, but that's how Partners Club was started in 2014, was my desire to figure out how to get a deeper saturation level of the people we were giving advice to that were actually implementing it. So here we are, we're talking to however many downloads or you, listeners you have and how many people are going to listen through our social media channels. And they're hearing this and they're getting basic advice. And the question is, what are they going to do about it? And the answer is the reality is the saturation level is really, really low. It's not because they're not good or they're not intelligent or they don't work hard. It's just because they, they haven't taken it seriously enough yet, or they just didn't hear it at the right time. Right. But, but back to this scoreboard concept, really, the way that you measure how well they're doing is by the scoreboard. And what does that look like in our world? Yeah, I mean, look, the scoreboard is pretty black and white, right? It's, uh, it's all the way through. How, how many qualified leads are, is your firm generating every month? And then from there, how many of those are we able to turn into set appointments? How many of those can we get to show up? And of the appointments that show up, how many of those can we get to retain the firm? 
of those that retain the firm, how many can we get to pay their bill in full, at least to the highest degree? And then how many of those can we turn into referrals, right? So it, it's keeping score and actually knowing our metrics at each step of the way. If you don't know your numbers, you don't really know how your business is performing. <laughs> You're just taking a wild guess based off of how you feel or maybe the number you see in your bank account and whether that's good or bad. So scoreboard's pretty cut and dry, black and white. And that's what we use to measure metrics in a law firm. Bus business processes and creative people who do not want to follow a process, this is hard for them to adopt, right? Yeah. Traditionally, yes. So, so I, I always... Money is such a common thing. It's easily measurable. Everyone understands the value of money. So I always frame like all of these problems in dollar terms. So mm -hmm. let's, let's use a hypothetical scenario, which we in the marketing world see very often. Let's suppose that you're a law firm, you run a small law firm and you're getting 40 qualified leads per month. For the whole firm, let's say you have three attorneys there and you divvy it up and you get about 13 leads each. And some of those calls, they get answered right away. Some of them do not get answered right away, which is a big threat to your law firm if you're not answering those calls right away. Or if you're answering those calls, but you do it inconsistently, another big threat, you end up, you end up signing up. 20% of those the inquiries, which equals to eight cases. Is it good or if, bad? I know. I watch your if content. If you're lucky. Yeah. yeah. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. I've watched your content. I know that 20% is a low number for a well-optimized intake and sales process. Mm. But let's say all you do is 20%, so you sign eight cases. Eight cases, and let's say you do uncontested divorces in a place like Chicago, where I am. I don't know what they are in Charlotte, one of my favorite cities. I was just there a few months ago. I know you guys are based out of nice. Charlotte. Loved it. Loved Lake Norman. Yes. Beautiful. Place. Great area. <laughs> um, yeah. So eight cases times $15,000 average case value if you're in Chicago. So this is $120,000 per month, eight times 15 times 12 months. You're getting $1.44 million, $1,440,000 a year in gross revenue off of those cases. Now, you hire these two wonderful gentlemen who teach you exactly how to create that black box, the framework for the right intake process, who you need to do this for you, how to do this correctly, and how to track this. They show you all of those things, give you the blueprint, give you the black box, everything. And then for whatever reason, you're like, cool, we're going to start next Monday, and you never do. <laughs> The cost of not getting it done is, I know based on your content and based on having clients who have very well optimized intake and sales processes, you're probably leaving half on the table. So you could have been going from 20% to 40% or higher in some instances. But let's imagine it's just half. That means that every year you're leaving on the table approximately $1,440,000. And let's say that you have an average tenure of running a law firm for only 25 years. I'm good with math, but not that good with math. So I'm going to round it up and say that it was $1.5 million times 25 years, which is approximately $37 million. For $37, $37 million, if you are the owner and you were making 50% gross profit margin and 20% just, 
just 20% net profit pre-tax. And you paid 30% on that net profit pre-tax. Pre-tax, that was $7.5 million in profit. And after you paid tax, that's $5 million. This is a mansion on Lake Norman <laughs> with a really nice boat. This is going to be like ocean-worthy boat. Not Lake Norman, although Lake Norman is huge. But it's like, it's not ocean. You could have bought like a second home in Miami and funded a boat by simply following the black bucks. That simple. But 70% of diabetes patients would rather die than eat Caesar salad. I love the analogy. Yeah, <laughs> this is good. good. Yeah, and, you, good. and you really drove a, a real good I point home the about the numbers too. <laughs> yeah. For, and to, to make it even simpler, if it's just 20% in your pocket as you're the law firm owner, 20% of $1.44 million is $288,000 a year. I Correct. bet if you're operating a $4.4 million law firm, your whole income is probably less than $280,000 a year. And if well, it is that, 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 that all depends on year, that'll depend on who's it. listening. Right. So we sure. want to get law firm true. owners. We, we, you know, the law firm owners we work with, our primary goal from a gross owner's benefit, let's call it gross owner's benefit, meaning what the owner gets to keep before taxes um, is, is approximately 30 to 40% of gross revenue. So if they're doing $3 million, we expect that firm's owner or owners, if they're splitting it with partners to be, to be bringing home 900 to 1.2 million dollars in profitability. I was working with, I worked with a firm, uh, last week that not in our, they were a prospect. And I talked to them, they did $1.8 million, 1.8, and their income was less than 100000 And when I addressed it to them, yep. they said, I said, why do you think that is? They said, well, we're just investing in our future. I go, look, I appreciate whatever book you read that made you think that that's what you were supposed to do. <laughs> but you're not a VC-funded firm. You're, you're, you're not a SaaS system going to be sold publicly through a SPAC. You, 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 are, you are a small law firm that is number one goal is to be profitable and not profitable tomorrow, profitable today. I, I mean, that law firm that I built in 2008, 2009, 2010, through those eras, we started that law firm with $30,000 in the bank. And in two and a half years, we were generating $3.5 million in gross revenues with approximately a 27% profitability mark, right? Well, we, we were able to do that because law firms run correctly are like a license to print money. I mean, they really are one of the highest margin profitability businesses you can own. And they should be because the barrier of entry to, get, to own a law firm at this current day, day and age is very, very high. And let's not forget that the work that they do is not only difficult, but it matters because the work that they do matters to the people they do it for. Whether they're in a retail setting or they're in a B2B setting, it doesn't matter. They're really making a difference in people's lives. And so it frustrates me when I see law firm owners who went and built a law firm and they, they judge gross revenue as their success. We like to say, 
revenue top line revenue is for vanity bottom line revenue or bottom line profits are for sanity excuse me so yeah that's uh yeah that top line number really doesn't mean too much let me ask you this just to qualify this when he said or she said that they're reinvesting most of their profit into growth what was their annual growth rate top line uh, they were growing pretty quickly. I mean, they were growing, you know, uh, above average, 27 to 35%, right? So they were stacking revenue on pretty quick. But I- I'm going to be straight. Like, there's a, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of bad information out there for, for a law firm, all business owners, but speaking of the law firm niche, that, that talk to them about topside gross revenue and don't talk about profitability the way they should. And they, it, it's bright and shiny and it sounds sexy, but it, it's, look, running a business is hard. Running a law firm is harder. And, and uh, you've got to be on purpose with making sure you're profitable at the level you should be profitable. And so if you're not, and you just pay attention to gross numbers, you'll, get, you'll grow your gross, but you'll grow your gross at the expense of you not making any money or the type of money you should make. So vanity, sanity. You got it. D- d- definitely exceptions. There are definitely exceptions. So sometimes you actually do want to reinvest all that profit, but but you treat it as a reinvestment. So if you are making 25, 30, 40% in, in profit and you're just like, hey, I'm going to dump it all into growing my revenue and profitability for next year by doing this, 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 like by all means, it's strategic. But what I have often seen when I did consulting, when people would say I'm reinvesting it all, uh, no, it was not being reinvested. It's just when you look spent. at their P&L, profit and yeah, loss statement. It's, it's just, just spent. spent. It's just, yeah. just spent. You know, uh, so Robert Kiyosaki used to really, call it doodads. Oh yeah, the the rich dad poor dad guy. Rich yeah, dad poor sure. dad book. That's do correct. Dads. Yeah, he he called them yeah. do dads is what he called them. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Gentlemen, great insights. I highly recommend. Just just haven't seen what you do out there, and you guys are just such great students of marketing. I know that you and I share the love of Dan S. Kennedy's work. I know there are like a bunch of pictures, and you refer to his works. A lot. And by the way, that concept of your your business, your law firm is not different. That's like so Dan Kennedy. He loves it. He's like, that's where, hey, that's where we learned it from. Things yep. that <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like, like everybody who starts a business, first of all, think that their business is different. Second of all, think that their business should be different, which is such a common fallacy. Like, why should it? Like, look at somebody, uh, Tony Robbins. That guy's business, last time I, I read about his numbers, he does $5 billion in revenue. His whole approach is like, I'm going to look at who does this exceptionally well, reverse engineer how they do it, copy and paste it in the shortest time possible. Again, creativity versus sanity. If hmm. somebody wants to learn more about your three amazing services, there are three different things that you guys do. How do they connect with you? What is your website? What's the, what are the questions that you want them to ask you? Um, how to connect? Well, the website, uh, you guys can go to yourpracticemaster.com. Uh, we too also have a, a podcast that, uh, just like you, Sasha, bringing very valuable content to the law firm owner niche. 
It's the Your Practice Mastered podcast. A lot of value over there. And, and Rich, what do you think about the question we'd want them to ask? Well, I would rather that, than they ask us a question, I'd rather them ask themselves a question. On a scale from one to 10, one being not ready and 10 being ready and willing, how ready and willing are you to make these changes in your firm? Because in our world, we can teach you how to do it. And we have some things we can do on your behalf, but it has to start with you or with them, Sasha. So our question we would ask to ask them to ask themselves is, are they ready? And we can help them get ready that the sure. podcast, I've, we've got three or four books we've written. Um, we've got content galore. They can go ahead and grab a free copy, whatever they need to do to get ready, but they need to get ready to be willing to make this change. And assuming that's happening, we're happy to walk alongside. Amazing. Yourpracticemaster.com. That's yes. the name of the website. Yes. Same name for the podcast. And I do apologize. I did not know that you guys authored books. What are the titles of those books? I'll check them out on Amazon. Uh, sure. They're uh, the very first one, lousy title, but it was, uh, and these are all short books. We call them shooks. That was called the, the DNA of the autonomous attorney yes. or th yeah, the DNA of the autonomous okay. attorney. The second book is uh, Discover the Acres of Diamonds in Your Law Firm. The third book is The Attorney's Guide to Personal and Financial Freedom. And the fourth book is a book called The Favor. And that's actually a novel written in story format about an attorney that I worked with kneecap to kneecap and his story had written as a, well, as a, as a parable. That's awesome. The one that really, the title that really struck a chord with me is Discover the Acres of Diamonds in Your Law Firm. Sure. And the fact that it's a, what'd you call it? A shook? A short, a shook. Shook. Yeah, a short <laughs> book. <laughs> I'm getting that one. Because I want to get the insights because it, usually those diamond, acres of diamonds, right? They're like in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Sasha, the you don't have to do and anything. I'll have my team send you a copy of all of them. All right, just uh, you make sure you email me your address. Yeah, we'll mail them to you. I don't will. Worry. All right. Uh, thank, Richard, thank you so much for having us on today. It was such a pleasure to have you. I I'm looking forward to having another one of these, but on a different topic next time. Next time we'll yeah. talk about something else like operations, mindset, staffing potentially. This one we're really focused on intake. Those uh, in a few months we're going to do something else. Thanks, John. Yeah, why don't, why, don't we, why don't we return the favor, Sasha, and, and we have you over on our world, and we could talk about something in your wheelhouse in the marketing world. How about that? We'd be more than happy to do that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. And Sasha, thank you again. It's, it's really our honor, our pleasure. I appreciate you having us on. Thank you, sir. Terrific. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, Help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.